You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. So tonight, we the message is a little different because we're going to do it together. I mean, we're always doing it together, but even more so tonight because this is the last night of our Someone Asked series and the pastors decided to make it a kind of a catch-all ask me anything kind of evening if there were questions that you had this season that didn't make it to a message or um, something that you just started thinking about two minutes ago um, when we were singing we can talk about it for the next 20 minutes or so I wrote down um, three questions in, in case we need to like wet our whistle here. I wrote down three questions that I thought were really interesting that came out of our congregation that we could, we could ta- try and tackle together um, if nothing else is coming up. And by the way, I really do mean together. Like I do have a lot to say and I could talk for the next 10 hours passionately but I do believe that the body, like God speaks <laughs> to us as a body, as a community. So you have something to say, too. Um, these questions are, is it okay to be angry with God? I think that's a really good one. Why should I tithe? Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Did the church misunderstand Jesus when he talked about his return? Did he intend to come back only as the Holy Spirit, and is it possible that we are delaying him? That's a big one. So hopefully we don't have to go there. <laughs> Do you have a question on your mind, or should we pick one of those? Micah. So when I talk to friends who are atheists, um, a question that often comes up is, uh, what happens when atheists die? Um, and this is especially relevant when they're like, so when kids die in Yemen in a war that they have no control over and they don't know Jesus, do they go to hell? Um, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> so what, uh, where do we, where do we, uh, what do we think happens and how do we respond? That's good. I gotta say with these hypothetical questions, it always, um, I guess my, my first um, strategy with that person would, would be to try to get to know them and why they care about that question. Because I think we as empire, peop, you know, empire people, where we live in this United States that is so influenced by enlightenment thinking, we think we need to know everything we talked about this in this season. We think we need to like know the answers to everything for everybody else in the world. And I think that's interesting, like that we put that pressure on ourselves and each other to just have to know um, these answers to these hypothetical questions because how could, how could we know? So repeat the first part again, Micah, about the atheist. What happens um, when an atheist dies, uh, and I think that, do, do people go to hell? Um, and I think that that's mostly a question that atheists ask because 
uh, it's kind of a question of respect, or it's like, what do you think is going to happen to me? And the second part of the question is, even if I believe what you believe, my family might not, and all my friends might not. Mm -hmm. Am I am I entering the belief that I think that all of everyone that I know uh, will suffer forever? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some athe some former atheists right here among us, so I might so you guys might speak to that. Um, but the hell part is pretty interesting to me because I think that came more, that really comes more from Greek mythology than I can actually find from Jesus in the scripture um, and from the character of God. Uh, I, this is just my opinion, but I kind of think um, if we don't, choose God of course of course we don't only God sorts this out so we can't look at other people and say um what their eternal destiny is <laughs> but um I think it, in the simplest way I can describe it I think if we're not like we're sort of we're sort of gonna get what we want if we choose God in this life um it will it will go on and on um we will live forever with God if we if we reject God's invitation I think there will our li our life will end when it ends um, there will but but I can't find enough evidence in scripture to like back up this idea of eternal punishment you know I just don't see that in the in the cross in the person of Jesus and the resurrection um, so I would, I would start there. Do any of the former atheists in the room want to speak to what you thought, what you thought of about when you died and if you worried about that? Ellen. So, um, I have like some weird Asian thoughts on the New York, uh, question as well, but I'm going to try and be concise my bad voice. So my, my answer to that is like, uh, do we know what will happen when we die? Uh, no, of course, like, okay, no, right? So, like, yeah, part of our soul will go down into the earth, but part of our soul will also go up and be with God. And I think that um, that works for me culturally. And for me, it's why be over-focused on what's out of our control when we could choose heaven now. So I mm. think it's, there's the problem with the question is they're missing uh, like the connecting the battery and the juice together, which is that, you know, without, without God's promise in your heart, in your life, you will, what you touch will like not be dust, but it will just like you will not be realizing um, your like your true spiritual self in your journey, and that would be helpful to not to go through life and not make that amount of spiritual progress. So for me, it's not about like how when you die, it's like every moment, every moment, it's like a little choice. And I, 
Yeah, and I think you're you're bringing up Ellen um, how the person asking the question obviously cares. They care about what happens after their life is over, and so I I might start there. And I, and you're reminding me like. God has placed eternity in our hearts, the scripture says. So we have this capacity, we have this capacity to rise with Jesus. And we and I think I think that we want to. And so if somebody can kind of draw that draw that out in us, that we care, that we're wondering, even if we're so filled with um, cynicism and doubt, I think there's a seed in the in the in the question that by virtue of caring that says that says something you're we're kind of made to be eternal wait wait hold on ellen let's i want to i want to make sure we can get around the room here anybody else have a question on this or other kyle It's going to take a lifetime to answer, but I think, I think um, ways that people have interpreted the Bible, um, like that, like the the hair on the head, one. I think I'm not sure about this, but I think it comes out of the Psalms, and it's like a poem. You know, it's not. I'm not sure that's the actual promise from God that like no part of nothing will go wrong in our lives and no part of us will be harmed because that's just not the case, right? But I think certain strands of the the faith sometimes we we have gotten that in in messages in church and uh I think it's to our detriment because I don't think that that is God's promise. I think God's promise is actually much better that we that he is not going to leave us or forsake us that that we can trust him to be with us in every situation in every thing that goes wrong in every in every trauma in every heartache we are not alone and i don't um we can choose to enter like a, a like a redemptive process there, but it's our choice. Um, but I think I think we have gotten um, messed up by these by these promises that God uh, 
like controls all the circumstances of the world or something. I don't think that's what's happening at all. I think that people, we have, people have free will and the world is a broken place and that's why we have, that's why Jesus came um, to invite us into this, this upside down kind of way. So I know it sounds like a really unsatisfying answer, but like you're reminding of my, me of when my mom got cancer. Um, it was stage three, and we thought um, that she was going to die. And she, I remember like Zach was just a little baby, and I was pregnant, and I would go to the hospital to be with her. and. I would get mad because my dad like when you know wasn't around and I'd just be there with my mom not sure if this was the end and I remember feeling so clearly like like God was with me and that's all I had and somehow that was like enough so I don't think there's like any easy answers about this except that God is with us I think that's the promise that we get from Jesus does anybody want to say more on that? Do you have a more inspiring message, Trace? <laughs> I was frankly very inspired by that. I was like, holy cow, this is our pastor. <laughs> That's the feeling I'm having right now, Rach. Thank you. Thank you. Carrie. Oh my gosh. Yes. Just <laughs> that. So, yes, like, you're going to go through bad stuff because you live in. Like everything you said, really good that. Um, but also, even though we go through all these things, God's going to do something with it. So that, like, nothing in our life that we go through is just going to happen. There's going to be some way that God's going to use to either us closer, or to help someone else, or to teach us, or um, I think that God's really amazing at making good things happen from Totally. Can you, Kara, do you feel comfortable saying more about how, like, you learned that for you? Um, so, I, I had MS, and I went to Spain, and when I went to Spain, I was at a place where I was very, very angry with God, and, um, I was there with my friends, but I had been in Spain for 20 years, um, and I was really angry with God about a lot of things, so the point that I felt was I hated God, and, I was in Spain, I was in there for two weeks. In my mind, I had all the, the mental picture, and all of a sudden, like, I was there for five days, and I started to have an square. And flares um, for me, like, so I'll have some bones, I'll, like, bed rest for a day, and then I'm usually feeling better. So I spent, like, the majority of my time there, like, on, like, their couch, hanging with them, and, like, my anger just, my anger that had already been there, kind of grew and grew, but because it grew, it got to the point that I couldn't just shut up. Like, that I actually, like, wrote something down about how mad I was and why I was that mad. And I shared it with my friend, and she was just kind of like, well, I don't have any answer. <laughs> I was like that, you know. But um, I think because I let out some of that anger by sharing it, it kind of made space then for God to then have, like, a little bit of room to kind of talk to me. And so, mm-hmm. I, the, like, the rest of my stay there, it was sort of this, like, I was 
letting go of more of the anger and God was coming in and giving me more of like a sense of peace and presence and um, so when I came home from Spain I was completely like in a different place than when I left because all this anger and hatred had been like replaced with this like this like connection to God and um, for me specifically the Holy Spirit and just um, it, it just kind of like became like the foundation for like everything for me and so it shifted just my whole world but it so I look back and I go like when I was in the moment that flare was horrible like it was like and, and to be honest it's the worst flare I've ever had it's still not over since, since February and, mm-hmm. and I'm like I've made progress but it's been really slow progress mm-hmm. but I also know looking back that my goals went going were to see my friends to help them if I could and go to the castle literally that's all I wanted to do and I managed to do all those things and if that hadn't happened in Spain I never would have gotten hit that I had, and I never would have finished with God, because there never would have been a point where I, like, my anger would have left. Mm-hmm. And so, between that and a few, like, conversations I've had with the whispers, like, the idea for me is, like, nothing is wasted. That flare was not wasted. As awful as it has been, it was wasted. And I just think that, mm-hmm. you know, you do go through awful things in life, just how the world is, just sucks. But, like, I think the answer is, like, good things and good things. Thank you, Kara. I just want I want to add on or point out how you let yourself feel the anger because I think that's a really important part of this, Rach. We can't just swallow. Uh, we can't just avoid the pain. That there are a million ways to numb our pain, right? And we're just trained for avoidance. I don't think. I'm not sure we get to the, to the transformational stuff without feeling it and going through it, which is the worst. Kyle. So, yeah, so I think connecting some things I'd like to ask and then what I come here to say is that I think also God wants to be reconciled with every single person. He loves us so deeply and wants to that connection. And, and so I think some of the things that we go through are not for us. It's so that we can empathize with our fellow man, our fellow woman, the fellow or the person sitting right next to you. Hmm. And I know several things in my life that I've gone through, like a year ago, my boyfriend dying. Hmm. I can look back at that now and I because of some other tragedies that have happened to close friends. And I can say, I know what that is like. I have been there. I have felt that. I understand. Let me share with you. Let's hold our grief together. Mm-hmm. Let's walk together through this. And so if I hadn't experienced that, I could sympathize and you know, not wish anything bad on anybody to happen, but bad things are going to happen in this world. And sometimes we go through things so that we can help others is so true and I'm thank you Kyle I'm thinking of how the first meeting the first circle of hope meeting I came to Tracy was standing up front crying she was talking about her pain and um, her willingness I, I had never come to a church meeting where people were like honest about their pain all I heard was all the like the hairs of your head won't be touched you know 
And I was like, oh, I can relate to this. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's having some negative feelings. And uh, I came back, and now I'm a pastor. So thank you, Trace. <laughs> Nothing is wasted. What else? This is like the best sermon ever. Carrie. Um, I've been thinking a lot lately. I'm just wondering, is God with everyone all the time? Because I think back to my childhood and I kind of wonder was God there for like just like this period. And then as as an adult it was like asked God to be there, so I got there and I believe that like we all have that choice, but then for people who don't necessarily choose that, is God with them anyway? Or for people who wait and say like, you know, like is he still with them? Like I'm just kind of wondering where is God when is God with us? Is he with <laughs> That's a really big question. I think I think that God is present in the universe in like a way that we can't explain. Like I kind of I kind of think Paul the apostle Paul was on to something in Colossians 1 when he says and Christ holds everything together because they there is there are so many questions now in science more and more questions that science can't answer except they're um they're finding like this um, not gra- gravitational force, but like a force that can't be named, that is literally holding the universe together even as it expands. So I think, I think there's like this weird, mind-blowing way that God is present in all of matter <laughs> and cells. But I think specifically what I see in the Bible is that um, the Holy Spirit indwells people who ask. And so there is this special thing happening with, um, with people who ask to be filled by God. We have some agency in this whole process that I think that makes a big difference. And specifically in people, you know, I don't know if like plants and animals have the same um, ability, but so I think God is most present in people even though I would say there's this element of creation where, yes, God might be generally present in ways that I can't explain, God is most present in people who claim Jesus. What about like children who don't know anything about that? Is like God less with them than I don't know. That's a good one. I don't think they are without God. But I think, I think there's something special and different about making that, that choice. And of course, not even all adults can make that sort of cognitive decision. So I don't really know the answer to your question, but I think um, there's something special about people, uh, and especially people who are making that claim or reaching out with whatever, it's like how I feel about communion as an open table. It's like, if you have any, if any, if you have any shred of desire to be with God, come to the table. 
I think I, I think it doesn't take much. That's just my personal theological belief. So I think children have that have that in them till it gets pounded out of them by the world. And then they get a, a chance to choose more fully. But I know that we sh- we are called to like respect life in all of its forms. So who knows? Does somebody have their hand up over here? Oh, okay. <laughs> Alex, you want to say more on that? Oh, no. Well, I, I mean, my personal belief is that I think it's different I think they get their own, like, we're talking about this, like, extra energy that we don't know about. I think they get more of it, whatever it is. God really loves to do it. But, um, I actually wanted to cut off, so I don't know, is it okay to leave that topic? Yeah, I just want to say one one more thought that came to mind is, like, a, like a, uh, a friend of mine who's more of like a Pentecostal kind of person had a vision one time of like coming into our one of our meetings down the street and like the, the light and the warmth in the room he described to me later was like like with the people. Like, and it just, it just kind of, I know that's just one person's vision, but it just kind of confirmed to me, like, the power of the Holy Spirit in, in regular people. Like, you could almost picture, you know, it wasn't, like, around the room where other, where the people weren't. It was, like, like, flaming out of the people. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, so I sort of have a confession for the question. I, um, never read the Bible, and I was just wondering, obviously, I know it's important, but I was wondering where you put it, like, on how. How important do you feel like that is for God? Reading the Bible? I think it's really important um, for the benefit of, of what's there. I think the Holy Spirit speaks. It's, in a way, the Bible is like pages. You know, it, it's just a book. But I think the Holy Spirit speaks especially when the church gathers around scripture together, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. So it's, it's, a, it's a real clear opportunity to hear from God. So if you want to know God, I would, I would open the Bible, I would, I would pick up the Bible as a means of revelation, like God, God's, like expecting God to speak to you through it. Not that you have to like, you know, it's awesome to study it, but you don't have to like understand everything to um, for God to speak to you through it. And we see we see this happening for two thousand years. That's part of the reason I it inspires me so much. It's not just my personal experience, but it's sparked whole movements around the world. God, not 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 the Bible itself, but God speaking to people through the Bible. Ellen. Um, so I, uh, I didn't read the Bible, um, all the way through until I was, uh, like, 26 and 28, and, um, I'm sort of glad I did it that way, but I did it very intentionally, I was like, uh, it's like, it couldn't 
have happened until I was like called, I think, to do it. Mm. Um, and then once I was called, it's like I literally was like, this is weird, but I'm going to stop everything and I'm going to read this. That's so, cool. Um, if you're like feeling called to like, you know, like please, like the, some of the cliche <laughs> verses or like randomly, you know, you, you do them, you pray, and then you like, you random open and you find the thing that's for you. Like there's no, I mean, like there's no good or bad gateway to that feeling. Um, but I think that, it's, it's like a choice. It's your chance to affirm to yourself that you're open to hearing from God. That's a good way to put it. Why not use it to get you know God's face that way? Yeah. Also, I don't mean, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful about the Bible when I say it's just a book. Obviously, it's a special book. I just mean... I don't think people should worship the Bible, just like we're taught, you know, just like we're taught not to worship creation, any created thing, um, or people. We're taught to worship the invisible living God. That that's where my thinking is coming from. We need to have a tag on question. My what I have. So what you said, I I, I like, but I even want maybe like one step further to to make a distinction. That I agree. That book, that it's a book. It's got words in whatever language translated into. It's it's a book. Those are just words. It's a book you can burn. You could burn every Bible on the planet. You haven't touched the word of God. Mm. So like that's why people have holy books, and I'm like, I'm glad I don't have a holy book. I'm glad people could burn my Bible. I'm not going to kill them over it. I'm not going to be. Able to, I mean, I might be a little upset with the situation that led to that, but. Um, but you know, it's like it, so. The way I the way I have internalized that is, you know, the word of God is the word spoken to you by the Holy Spirit. Maybe as you are reading yeah. those words on the page, but they're not the word of God. It has to be spoken by God, you know, to your heart for it to actually be like usable, you know, functional. The word of God that I can actually use and I can actually believe in my life. So is that uh, completely heretical, or maybe in line with what we believe? No, I think uh, I th I think I'm with you, Josh. And I I like that Jesus became an incarnation. It's a it's a it's about the word living in us. I think it's even beyond a like specific word. It's like Jesus is the word. We worship him, and we we continue continue to receive his words as we listen and we live. Thank you. I think we're almost out of time. Maybe one more question as the team comes up. Kipsy.
what is like the tipping point? We're like, oh, you know, is, is he waiting for something? Then we'd be like, okay, it's bad enough, I need to come back. Or is he just like, you know, he's, he's doing things in his own time? I mean, I know he is, but what, what is that? Yeah, I, it's a good question, and I do not know the answer. And I don't think anybody knows, and I think the people who say they know are not to be trusted. <laughs> because Jesus is really clear about no, nobody knows the hour or the day. The thing that comforts me the most about that is, is elsewhere in the Bible reading that God wants everyone to come to repentance. I think that is the the relentless the relentlessly pursuing heart of God that Allie's bringing out in that in Psalm 23. You will follow me your goodness and love follow me all the days of my life. It like for every day that goes by that Jesus doesn't come back, I think there's something in there of God's desire for more people to be drawn to him. And that's like all I know. Oh, Christopher, save it for next time. We gotta hear. It. We gotta um, get into worship because the team has um, more ways for us to pray and listen. Thank you for offering your questions. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.